Good morning, everybody. Sung that last hymn at my baptismal service 35 years ago. The Lord has been faithful. I just want to say thank you for all the lovely invitations I received to go to the different life groups to bring that Bible study to you. I have a new Bible study. If I don't get any invitations, I know the last one didn't go so well. Uh, And I would love to be invited to your life group and to share more from God's Word with you. Let's turn to God's Word now, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. If you've got one of the blue church Bibles that you can borrow when you come in through either door when you come, that's on page 1054. 1054. Luke chapter 19, and in a few moments, uh, the reading will be from verse 28. But first, I have a special treat for all the gentlemen here this morning, so pay attention. Wakey, wakey. Five rules for men to follow to a happy life. That probably gets the women's attention more than the men, to be honest. But Five rules for men to follow to a happy life. Number one, it's important to have a woman who helps at home, cooks, cleans up and has a job. (laughs) Two, it's important to have a woman who can make you laugh. Three, it's important to have a woman you can trust and doesn't lie to you. Four, it's important to have a woman who is attractive and likes to be with you. And five, it's very, very important that these four women do not meet each other. Can you imagine the tension if they were all together in one room? It would be a matches and gasoline situation. During Easter week, Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, four very different groups of people with different views and agendas all come together. Or maybe I should say all collide. It's a matches and gasoline situation Easter week. There's the crowds, the people, the disciples of Jesus who declared Jesus to be the Messiah, the King of Israel. And then there's the Romans. And if they hear any talk of someone claiming to be a king, they will come down hard and maybe even crucify anyone who talks like that. Then there's the Jewish authorities, the religious people, the Pharisees or some of the Pharisees who reject Jesus as the Messiah, who don't want to upset the Romans, they don't want to upset the status quo, they don't want to lose their jobs and their authority. And then fourth, in the midst of all this, is Jesus. It's a matches and gasoline situation, and Jesus comes in peace, to make peace, and to offer the gift of peace, to them all, to the whole world, to you and I. And I'd like to invite Bill Miles to come up now to read this passage. I've asked Bill, come on up, I've asked Bill 
to read this passage for us. Luke 19, beginning at verse 28. Bill, of course, is a member of our church and a former minister of the church here. And uh, he has a deep knowledge of Jewish life. And he can speak some Hebrew. Some of you know I can speak one word. Yeah, you know about that. Invite me to your life group and I'll tell you about that. Uh, but uh, Bill has a real gift for that sort of thing. And I thought it would be nice to hear part of this reading, verse 38, the words of the crowd, not only in English, but in Hebrew, which would have been the language they would have used to quote that passage. So what you'll hear is actually what Jesus heard when he was sat on the donkey. Thank you so much, Bill. And some, some words in the language of heaven, and you'd be grateful and glad to know that that is not Welsh. <laughs> so I'm sure that Corolla could say those words in Welsh. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a coat tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the coat, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King, who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch Abach HaMelech Baruch HaMelech Baruch Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Shalom HaShamayim Washekanah HaShamayim Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Rabbi, Rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the very stones will cry out. This is the word of the Lord. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that lovely? Thank you so much, Bill. It's a very visual story, isn't it? Beloved of church and school drama teachers everywhere. There's lots to see, and because there's a crowd, no matter how many children you've got, there's always something for them to do. It's wonderful. There's a donkey. Who doesn't like a donkey? There's a crowd praising God. Who doesn't like some joyful singing? There are palm branches. Who doesn't like a show of celebration? There are coats spread on the floor. Teenagers love it. <laughs> okay, so maybe coats on the floor aren't so popular. In fact, 
maybe that's a little bit weird. And we'll think why they put their coats on the floor a little bit later. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is a spectacular drama. It's a multimedia event. But we be careful not to let all the show overshadow the substance. What's really going on here? What does Jesus entering Jerusalem really mean? It is a big deal for the nation of Israel, for the whole world. And wherever there's a matches and gasoline situation, and you might be in one, Jesus comes to bring peace. So this was a big deal for the religious authorities. The crowd were declaring Jesus to be the promised Messiah, God's chosen one, God's king of Israel. And the Pharisees didn't like it. Teacher, they said, tell your disciples to be quiet. See, the Pharisees rejected Jesus as the Messiah or Christ. Why? Because they were full of pride and self-importance. They sneered at Jesus. They tried to trick him. They opposed him. And they would plan to murder him. They rejected Jesus and they were jealous of Jesus. Because the crowds never flocked to them like they flocked to Jesus. They were jealous of Jesus. This wasn't surprising because many of the Pharisees and religious leaders, they burdened people with endless religious rules. They were harsh in their judgment. They lacked any mercy and compassion and love. The crowds flocked to Jesus because he was a good shepherd who cared for the sheep. He didn't condemn the lost. He sought them to carry them home. He offered forgiveness for sins and hope of a better life. Jesus entering Jerusalem was a big deal for the Pharisees. They rejected Jesus, they were jealous of Jesus, and they were scared of Jesus. Why? Because if the Romans heard talk of someone claiming to be a king, there would be trouble, and that wouldn't go well for them. They would have remembered King Herod when he heard of birth in Bethlehem of a potential king. Look what Herod did. And a hundred years before this, in 71 BC, the Romans put down the Spartacus rebellion. And 6,000 people were crucified along the Appian Way. Easter week is a matches and gasoline situation. And the tragic irony was that by rejecting Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the nation actually took a path that would lead to the destruction of Jerusalem and the devastation of the nation and a dispersal of Jews all around the area. Chapter 19, verse 41. Jesus foretold the consequences of rejecting the way of peace. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. 
The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Only when we make Jesus king can there ever be true peace in our lives, in our nations, and in our world. Only Jesus brings true peace with God, with each other, and indeed with creation itself. And with ourselves. Peace with ourselves begins with peace with God. So this was a big deal for the Jewish authorities. Jesus entering Jerusalem was also a big deal for the disciples of Jesus. In verse 37 we see they're singing and praising God and rejoicing as Jesus goes into Jerusalem. And the crowds were excited because they believed Jesus was the Messiah, God's chosen king. And that he would come to Jerusalem and claim his throne and with a show of divine power He would defeat Rome, the enemy. And instead, Israel would rule the world. This was a big deal. Now, I enjoy all quiz programs on the television, uh, but I dread two particular questions. Any religious question that comes up, I don't mind if there's no one else in the room. But if there's anyone else in the room, they always look at me and they're thinking, Chris will know the answer to that. I rarely do, and it's embarrassing. Do not put me on your quiz team for that. The other question I don't like is questions, and there is in every quiz, about the kings and queens of England or Britain. They always do that, don't they? And I must have heard a thousand times who ruled when and what happened. And I can't remember a single one of them. (laughs) This wasn't a problem for the Jews. They knew their history and who ruled them in the past. They knew them all off by heart, whether they were good kings, bad kings, whatever happened. And Israel had some terrible kings at times. But they all knew about Yehu. J-E-H-U, Jehu. And you can read his story another time in 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings chapter 9. Israel had had some terrible kings and God had sent the prophet Elisha to anoint a new king to be king of Israel, to rule the people. And I'm just going to read just two verses about King Jehu. 2 Kings 9 verse 12 says this, Yehu said, <clears throat> let me pause for enthusiastic people who have turned to two kings. <laughs> Wonderful. It's good to see and hear. 2 Kings 9 verse 12. Yehu said, here is what God told me. This is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. They quickly took off their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. And they blew trumpets and shouted, Yehu is king. 
That's interesting, isn't it? They spread their cloaks before Jesus. They knew about Yehu coming to be king. They knew Jesus was coming to be king. They knew he was coming to be a good king, as they hoped Jehu would be uh, those many years ago. The crowd see Jesus as God's anointed, chosen by God, and they spread their cloaks before him, hoping Jesus would be the king of Israel who would remove the Romans and bring in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of peace. Well, Jehu did become king of Israel. And let me tell you how. By shedding blood. His enemy's blood. Gallons and oceans of blood. Trust me, it's not a story you want to read your children at bedtime. Every enemy and every member of every family and every enemy was slaughtered. And Jehu became king by the shedding of blood, other people's blood. But he was not a prince of peace. Jesus entering Jerusalem was a big deal for the Pharisees and for the disciples and, of course, for Jesus himself. But Jesus was the only one who truly grasped what was going on how important it was that he came to Jerusalem. The Son of God who came from heaven to earth was the only man on earth who knew what on earth was going on. The crowd misunderstood what type of king Jesus was to be. Jesus was going to be a king who would establish his kingdom of peace and make possible peace for all even in a matches and gasoline world, full of tension. They didn't understand this, but Jesus knew he was the Prince of Peace. But the crowd got one thing right about Jesus, he would become king by the shedding of blood. But unlike Jehu, who would shed his enemy's blood, Jesus the Lamb of God, will shed his own blood to make peace for us. Jesus knew going to Jerusalem what would happen. Have a look at Luke 18, verse 31. Luke 18, verse 31. And this is the third time that Jesus predicted his own death. Luke 18, verse 31. Jesus took the twelve disciples aside and told them, We're going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man, that's himself, will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. His meaning was hidden from them. They didn't know what on earth he was talking about. Our true enemy is never Rome or any ruler. Our true enemy is our desire to rule ourselves, which the Bible calls sin. 
to reject the rule of God and to rule our own lives. That is our great enemy, our rebellious hearts, which the Bible tells us are sinful, rebellious. And who would deny it? Who of us has loved God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and always put God first? Who of us have not known exactly what the right thing was to do or say and chose to do the wrong thing and say the wrong thing? We all reject God's rule. And in rejecting God's rule, we reject him, his ways and his light. And if you reject the light, you walk in the darkness and sooner or later you will stumble and hurt yourself and probably crash into someone else and hurt them as well as we each go our own way. And how the world hurts. And you and I hurt. As sin reflects itself in our selfishness or the greed and lust that we see or deceitfulness and unkind words, foolish behaviour and the list goes on. We see it in the world around us and we see it in our own hearts. Praise God, Jesus has not come in judgment to condemn. He comes in mercy, love, to bring peace and offer forgiveness for sins. Luke 13, verse 34. Luke 13, verse 34. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, And stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He comes not to condemn, but to bring mercy, love, peace and forgiveness. For Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the Good Shepherd, who loves the sheep, who weeps for the lost and seeks the lost and lays down his life for the lost sheep. For you. Jesus laid down his life for you. Jesus came to Jerusalem that on the cross he might shed his own blood Not his enemy's blood, but shed his blood for those who opposed him. Who had set up their own rule in their lives, like you and I. To pay the price of death, which our sins deserved. And he was our substitute. He took the punishment we deserved for us in our place. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Peace with God. For Christ, the cross was a choice. For Christ, the cross was a choice. Born of love for the world and for you. What amazing love and courage. Takes courage 
to be a follower of Jesus, if you're thinking about it, it's not easy. Jesus went ahead of them. You can see the path that they were following to the cross and suffering. And Jesus calls his followers to take up their cross, to be willing to lay down our lives in service of him, to live lives of love and sacrifice in a world of matches and gasoline, to be peacemakers. To be in the middle of trouble and bring the peace of God. Do not be afraid, Jesus says. I've gone ahead of you and I'm with you and I will give you my peace. And the suffering of Good Friday will give way to the glory of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. So Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday was the beginning of a big week that was a big deal. The disciples thought Jesus had come to be king and get rid of the Romans. The Romans would put death down to death anyone who claimed to be a king. And the Pharisees rejected Jesus, envied Jesus and plotted to kill Jesus. Well, that is a matches and gasoline situation. And in the midst of it all is someone who's come to bring peace, to break down all dividing walls. And you might be in a matches and gasoline situation or you might see one coming up this week. Jesus says, I am with you. I've gone ahead of you. I am with you and I will give you my peace in the midst of that situation. But he also calls us to be peacemakers of the world. And you may know of a situation that's in need of peace in need of the presence of Jesus Christ. And we are the ones who are to go with Jesus and bring the gospel of peace. The donkey had never been ridden. In the Old Testament, things used for divine purposes had to be unused, brand new. So Jesus was on a divine mission. This was a big deal. Jesus was at work and still at work bringing peace. That is God's work, a divine mission. The donkey had never been ridden. For a king to approach a city on a horse meant he came to make war, like Jehu did, to shed his enemy's blood. But a king who approached on a donkey was a symbol of someone who had come in peace to bring peace. And many of the Old Testament prophets who prophesied and looked forward to the Messiah coming one day to Jerusalem to bring in the kingdom of God, many of them were buried on the Mount of Olives, beneath the stones. Even if the crowd is silenced, the stones, the prophets from the past will declare the praises of God. So Jesus entering Jerusalem is a big deal. For Jesus enters Jerusalem to die. To bring peace, to make peace and to offer peace to them, to the whole world and to you and I. The name Jerusalem 
comes from the word shalom, Jerusalem. And what does shalom mean? That's right, the city of peace. Jesus wept for those who would choose the path that would lead to judgment and longed and cried for them to recognize that in him God was coming to bring peace with God, with ourselves, with each other and with the whole of creation. And Jesus still weeps over those who reject him. And he still weeps with those who receive him. (laughs) Tears of joy. I pray that none of us will miss Christ coming to us in peace. We will not reject him, but will welcome him and his shalom into our lives. Amen.